This is As It Occurs To Me, and please welcome the man it's all occurred to, Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of As It Occurs To Me, or as all the cool kids will soon be calling it, Aiotama. Yeah, you've got to shout that out when uh, I should have probably mentioned that before. Uh, but uh, I just you know, arrogantly thought it might just happen, like... In, <laughs> like some kind of King Canut. So uh, I am Richard Keith Herring, and everything in this show is stuff that has occurred to me this week in one of the two senses of the word. Either it's happened to me or I've thought of it. It's occurred to me. Do, do you get it? Do you? Well, you should. It's clever. Some things that have occurred to me this week. Sunday. Watching Richard Dawkins talking about Darwin on TV, I wondered if Darwin had only come up with the theory of evolution because he really, really looks like a monkey. Uh <laughs> Check out every photo of him. Honest, great big monkey face, monkey eyes. What a convenient theory that was. Chimpy Darwin. Saturday. Uh, reading about Gordon Brown's eye operation on the BBC website, for a second I genuinely couldn't work out if he had minor retinal tears in his eye or minor retinal tears in his eye. He's, he's, such, he's having such a hard time. There's something rather poetically moving about him having tiny tears inside his one sad, doomed eye. <laughs> But it's not until his other eye has tears in it that he'll get my vote. If you're that sad, Gordon, melt the glass with your sorrow. Sunday. Watching Robbie Williams on The X Factor, I realised he looks so much like a monkey that his next song is bound to be a celebration of the theory of evolution. Very convenient, Robbie Williams. But if the singing comeback doesn't work out, he can definitely get a part in the next PG Chip Tips Chimp advert. And uh, congratulations on him for looking more... And congratulations to him uh, for looking more desperate for fame than anyone else on the show. <laughs> Quite a feat there, chimp face. Uh, so... You notice I couldn't go back and change it. No editing in this show. Uh, joining me in recreating my week and exploring my brain shits uh, are the wonderful Dan Tetzel, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. I used to write for Basil Brush. Why do you keep going on about that? It's so you made, boring. It's you so wrote it in there. You made well, you don't have to read out just because I've written it here. You don't have Talk to about read. my grandfather who's in the SS. <laughs> that's next. That's going to oh, be the next, next week. Okay. Show. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things about you. Basil Brush and the Nazis. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if those two things ever had a child. And uh, what a wonderful... Has anything occurred to you this week? Oh, yeah. Speaking of children, I was uh, very nearly sick on a baby yesterday. Really? Yes. Uh, I, I have a baby. Uh, don't worry. It's my own. And... Uh, <laughs> I it's all right if it's your own. You're yeah, allowed it's to fix fine, it. Yeah, and it's I was revenge. a little bit hungover, and I opened a, a sort of jar of mashed-up beef, and um, uh, she uh, she punched me. The baby punched me in my throat, <laughs> uh, and I had to put her down and go and be sick. Uh, wow! I wish the whole show go, was yeah. was what happened to you this week. Uh, and uh, <laughs> will you please welcome the fair to middling and frankly mawkish TV's Emma Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen. I am not mawkish. And so on. And uh, what's uh, what's occurred to you uh, this week, Emma? Uh, I actually had an audition for Mamma Mia. Really? The stage week. musical? The stage musical, which, which was a surprise to me because I can't sing. And uh, uh, to the extent that I actually got my agent to phone them up to yeah. say she can't sing and they still asked to see me. And so I spent the weekend trying to learn Dancing Queen, which is what they asked me to sing. And I went in and I said, look, I'll be honest, when I sing Dancing Queen, it's like when they kill pigs. 
<laughs> and I proved it by then singing it. Which do you, do you yeah, actually go, want you me might to well, do yeah, it? As long okay. as it doesn't sound anything. You like can dance. <laughs> you can. I'm not putting this on. This is how I sing. <laughs> you can drive, having the time of your life. And at the end of it, the musical director, in all seriousness, went to me. Perfect. <laughs> and at that point, the penny dropped. Who's seen the film? I'm a mere. Pierce Brosnan, yeah? The musical, there's an answer now. We know, we know why. The musical director is fucking tone deaf. <laughs> so did anyway. you get the part? Do you know if you got yeah, the part? Yeah, I got the part. Good, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be idiots. Cool, so what do you think of the way I'm looking, hey, baby? Well, um... It's pretty good, isn't it, at the moment? You know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Yeah. And uh, I'm liking the new look. Richie Keith, yeah, what's, what's yeah. going on there? Sorry, yeah, I've got a moustache at the mm. moment, well spotted, that's very yes, amusing. It's not, not just a moustache, though, no, is it? A little scrawny moustache, long hair. Yeah, you look like you're auditioning for a part of a plumber in a 1970s porn film. <laughs> you're right, Emma, that's exactly what I am doing. I am doing... I've invented a time machine, right, but rather than choosing to use it to go back in time to kill Hitler or stop mm. 9-11 or mm. punch Jesus... Something useful. I've... I've decided to go back to 1974 and try and get a part in a poor quality hardcore porn flick. So. Right. Um, did you get the part? No, that's the shame of it. Mm. After all that, I couldn't maintain an erection during the audition, so they sent me home. So Same all that inventing there. a time machine for nothing. Well, it's yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's a, it's a pity that. Yeah, isn't actually, it? I'm shame. mocking you, Emma, and your mawkish mm. stupidity. I'm mm. really, the reason for the moustaches, I'm doing some more Hitler moustache shows. You probably, uh, next week, you probably aware of it's a big hit in Edinburgh which I, I I'm doing them in Brighton there's still some tickets left Manchester sold out next week so I I needed to grow the moustache back the Hitler moustache back but I didn't really want to go around with the Hitler moustache again right. I've done that for three months so right, I've, yeah. I've you know I've got to have the full moustache to, for the to moment. be honest Richard um I think the Hitler moustache thing is sort of less embarrassing than the porn one yeah thanks well at least I haven't been cast as a 63 year old woman in an episode of Casualty that <laughs> that had thousands of actual 63-year-old women to choose from, mm. but decided that you, a 42-year-old woman, yep. looked the most like a 63-year-old woman <laughs> than any of them, correctly so, as it turns Damn you! Anyway, so here we are. But what the hell are we doing? What kind of madness is this? An internet stand-up and sketch show? Why? Why would anyone put themselves through this? Why? Uh, well, putting together a comedy show for the radio can be a frustrating business. You have to kind of jump through so many hoops, prove so many... Be, uh, make, uh, make so many people happy and go, get all these executives to approve it. It takes a long time. So I just thought to myself, why can't I just write a script on Sunday, record it on a Monday, and have people listening to it on Tuesday? Well, thanks to a newfangled invention called the internet, I can. That's right, you heard it here first, the internet. Look out for that, it's going to be big. Uh, this show is untested, uncensored, and un un unedited, as you can see on that particular word, and has... <laughs> Usually we'd have edited that out, but we have to keep it in. That's the beauty. It's almost like I did it on purpose, but I didn't. It's got, uh, it's unedited and it's got lower production values than bid up TV. Uh, <laughs> next week, I might think to try and buy some kind of sound effects CD in advance or put together some music that I can play at the beginning or something. But no, I forgot about that. So today's show has just one sound effect in the whole thing, which I found on the internet for free, and which is frankly shit. Uh, listen out for it, you won't believe how bad it is. You'll know when it comes up, because it will be a sound that isn't... 
a human voice. So it's quite some time away. Don't forget about it. It's very exciting. Uh, most shows edit out the mistakes and the gags that don't work and cut the show down to a tight 25 minutes. We're not going to patronise you in that way. Is patronise the right word I'm looking for there? Uh, no, respect. We're not going to respect you. <laughs> In that way, you're getting absolutely everything that happens on the night of the record. If someone in the audience were to shout out Willie's now, there's nothing we could do to take it out. <laughs> Loads of people do that. That was weird, wasn't it? One bloke especially loudly. <laughs> like he'd been waiting his whole life for that opportunity to come up. Uh, just one day I want to shout out. He's the one everyone will hear. Anyway, it's warts and all, but hopefully it won't all be warts. Or Willie! Yeah. Yeah, good. This could <laughs> this could turn into a disaster. Though, you know, it's like... Imagine if someone does that in the middle of every single joke. Wouldn't that be brilliant? <laughs> It'd fill up a lot of time. I'll start, I'll start again. Just we'll edit that bit out. Oh, no. Uh, it's, it's warts and all, but hopefully it won't all be warts, or the warts that are in it will be funny warts, like genital warts on the genitals and face of Jeremy Kyle. Or that bloke who just shouted out Willie's the second time. <laughs> Let's get off the whole warts thing. It'll be mainly uh, jokes, or at least attempted jokes. Um, but the best thing about this show is I can say whatever I like. I can say anything, because there's no censorship. It's brilliant. I could fill this whole show with me just saying the word packy over and over again <laughs> if I wanted to, and no one could do a thing about it. That's, that could be the whole show. Obviously, I'm not going to say the word packy over and over again, because I'm not an idiot who wants to sabotage my own career. I... I think the word packy is offensive and believe no one should say it in any context whatsoever, uh, even in a critical one. Everyone's having to go at that chinny bloke from Strictly Come Dancing. You know, the one who's uh, only on TV because he's clearly Bruce Forsyth's love child. Uh, but no one is mentioning the fact that Kirsty Walk said packy on Newsnight on Thursday. Admittedly, she was just reporting about the bloke from Strictly saying it, but she still said packy. She didn't apologise. And when will she be sacked? When? When, I ask you? Never. That's when... Anyway, you won't be hearing that word on As It Occurs To Me because it's horrible and that's not one I would ever use and nor should you. If you're listening, don't copy me. <laughs> it's not funny. Limey, though, we'll be saying all the time. So if there, <laughs> if there are any fucking limeys out there, you better watch. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, but uh, what, what if I did use the whole hour of this program just to say that one word over and again? What are you going to do? Sack me? from doing a show that I put on myself that I don't get paid for. Good luck, you urethra. Yeah. You heard me. I called you a urethra. Yeah. I'm comparing you to the urinary tract. Not even the metus, which would be a little bit cool. The urethra. How do you like them potatoes? Yeah. If anyone complains about this show, I don't have to get all contrite to try and save my sorry ass. I will insult them more, thanks to the unique way that this show is funded by the fucking idiots who come to the Leicester Square Theatre... <laughs> to watch it live when they can just listen to it for free at home. <laughs> this means the only option available to the disgruntled listener is to punch me in my stupid face. <laughs> well, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. That's Mary Whitehouse. Yeah, you're not, you're not singing anymore, are you, Mary? Because you're dead. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to not having to deal with any censorship. On my last radio show, Twatutin, the how soon they forget. I had, uh, I had continual run-ins with the people in compliance, often over the most innocuous of things. This is a genuine example of something they objected to. Uh, we at BBC Compliance cannot put this out on Radio 2 on a Saturday lunchtime. Why? What, what's, what do you mean? I would look at the very first line. You've put 
I believe it was Schopenhauer who said, Cleo, the muse of history, is as thoroughly infected with lies as a street hall with syphilis. Well, that's what he said. What's, what of it? What, what of it? Did you not hear the offensive words? Words that would drive any normal member of society to suicide if they were to just hear them? Whore and syphilis. You cannot say those words on Radio 2. Oh, come on, those are hardly rude words. They are on the forbidden list. <laughs> forbidden list. In, in context, surely it's a quote from Schopenhauer. Maybe you should take it up with him. Oh, oh, believe me, if he dare to come on Lunchtime Radio 2 and make such a pithy and erudite statement, he'd, he'd be taken off air before he could say whore with syphilis for a second time. And if I could invent some kind of minority report-style device to see crimes before they'd even happened, then it would be before he could say it once. But it's a classical quote in context, and it's the setup to a joke about the show acting like a condom to protect you from history's diseases. Unless you think it's rude to say condom. No, no, condom's fine. No, I am nothing if not inconsistent to the point of borderline mental illness. <laughs> uh, you will have to change the Schopenhauer quote so it is acceptable. Well, if I have to, I suppose I could mm. change whore to naughty lady mm. and syphilis to social disease. Yeah. So it reads, according to Schopenhauer, Cleo, the muse of history is as thoroughly infected with lies as a naughty lady with a social disease. Yes, you would be allowed to say that, yes. Even though it actually has exactly the same meaning as the original quote, but now just sounds pathetic and childish and demeans the listener, the BBC and Schopenhauer, removing all the wit from what he said and metaphorically digging up his corpse and pissing through his eye socket into the brain cavity where those words were formulated. Yes, even despite that. Uh, you see, I care not for beauty or art as long as some words aren't said that might offend an ornate lady with an empty life. Good, then we'll do that then. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you. Likewise, you male hen sucker. Now that insult is acceptable. Good. It uh, didn't happen exactly like that, but that was genuinely the change I was forced to make on the BBC. So, and post-Saxgate, it got even worse. Usually when you're on a recorded TV or radio panel show, you can mess around a bit and say contentious things between takes to make the audience laugh, knowing they'll get edited out. But a recent one, a producer said to me... Can you please not swear or say anything offensive at any point during the recording? Because there might be journalists in who will report what you've said. Oh, you're fucking joking. No, no, look, please, don't even swear when you're talking to me in private in case a journalist kidnaps me, hypnotises me and forces me to divulge the swear word that's been said by someone employed by the BBC. Oh, for fu no, goodness sake. No, no, look, I saw that even though you didn't say a swear word, you thought of one. You, you mustn't even think anything offensive in case journalists have developed some kind of Total Recall-style technology to read your thoughts and discover that a BBC employee thought something bad. Well, that's ridiculous, even by saying I'm thinking of something bad, I'm thinking of something bad. You know, I can't help it. It's well, what we, am I meant to do? We've got no option. We must now take these suicide pills. I mean, I would have shot you and then myself, but you know, you didn't bring any kind of sound effects CD for the show, so... Yeah, but it's okay. We can make a good noise of taking suicide tablets ourselves. Okay. Oh, I'm dying. <coughs> Who needs the BBC and their admittedly excellent sound effects and music archive? That's my question to you. Yeah, but you'd quite like to do this show on the radio, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, really? I would. I did re initially pitch it to the radio, yeah. but no one would do it. So I just thought I'd do it they just weren't myself. But I can be easily be bought off and we can forget this whole unpleasantness of all the <laughs> nasty stuff I've just said. I'm nothing if not a sellout. Please, please let me be back on the telly. Anyway, that's... Um, <laughs> do you know how demeaning this is to me? Anyway... <laughs> 
That's just the background to the show. All week I've been reveling in this newfound freedom, sitting at my computer thinking I can write anything, anything I want. I'm free to do anything, to say anything I want, to go on for as long as I want about any idea, no matter how unfunny or uninteresting it is, as we've already seen. Complete and utter freedom. The problem was I couldn't really think of anything. So suddenly I realised too late, perhaps, that art requires some kind of restriction, something to work against, to flourish. I need the man from compliance. I need the obtrusive executives and the clueless producers. It is, it is it's, it's, as it turns out, the shackles of the real world that free the imagination. So that's the end of this week's show, uh, because all week I've just been sitting on my sofa in my pants, failing to think of anything to write about. That's, that's all I have for you. But at least we learned a lesson there about imagination and the power of restrictions on it so we can all go home see you next time for more <laughs> more merry life not really i got loads of fucking ideas so uh let's let's have a quick look let's have a quick look at some of the things that have occurred to me this week monday still jet lagged from my holiday in new york i was up at 4 a.m just nine after just 90 minutes sleep to spend the day in berlin for a documentary i'm doing for radio 2 see i love the bbc really they're excellent uh it's about david hasselhoff's part in the fall of the berlin wall you you might not you might not know about this is true but his song looking for freedom became an anthem of the reunification and in 1989 just after the brandenburg gate had been reopened he was invited to sing the song in front of a million germans he was standing in a crane above the wall whilst wearing a suit covered in light bulbs look it, look it up on youtube if you don't believe me it's that yeah he's never been given so much as a premature nobel peace prize for his work now <laughs> But, you know, I was there and I was standing looking at one of the few stretches of the Berlin Wall that remains. I couldn't help thinking that if David Hasselhoff had only been dancing on top of it in a stupid suit decades before, the German people might have knocked the whole thing down sooner. I'm looking for freedom. Are you looking for freedom? What is the freedom? Where is it? At? Ooh, ooh. What is that? Oh, what, yeah. what is that up there? Is that the man from Night Rider singing Europop? Yeah, it is, yeah. It is quite embarrassing, Nine. Yeah, but you know, the juxtaposition of this vacuous music sung by a pointless man in ridiculous clothes with the harsh reality of this inhuman division of this once proud and beautiful city has made me understand that our supposed ethical differences are just as ephemeral as David Hasselhoff. Obviously, David Hasselhoff should not be there, but now I see that the wall is equally inappropriate. Communism and capitalism are similarly invalid if one can produce this wall and the other produces Hasselhoff. <laughs> Let's reunify now! Thank you, David Hasselhoff. No problem. I'm glad you understood what I was trying to do. <laughs> uh, in fact, if you justify, and just interestingly, I've, even though I'm doing this documentary, um, I've never actually listened to the song Looking for Freedom, so... <laughs> I don't think there'll be any uh, rights issues about the song, but I might accidentally have just hit on the right tune there. <laughs> if I have, it was just, I've made it up myself. I've definitely never, it's poor research, I have to say. But, uh, but in fact, if you juxtapose David Hasselhoff in a crane, singing a rubbish song in a sparkly suit against any trouble spot or disagreement, however dark or frightening, I think it would lose all of its power. I'm sorry, darling, we have to face it. Our marriage is over. I've, I've been sleeping with your sister for years. Everything you say and do... It makes me want to punch you in the face, and I have urinated in your porridge every morning for the last month. I agree. There's no way we can possibly make this work. You also have terrible halitosis, and I should have mentioned this before, but I am a lesbian. Oh, 
yeah, I'm looking for freedom. Why can't we have more freedom? I'm just saying it'd be nice to have some freedom of some kind. Uh, look, it, it's, it's David Hasselhoff on a surprisingly silent crane wearing a light bulb suit. Brilliant. God, I hate his music and everything he does. Yeah, me too. We, we agree about something. Yes, and as long as we are together, there's no danger that either of us will become sexually involved with Daisy Hasselhoff. Oh, you're right. I think this is worth another try. Thanks, David Hasselhoff. My pleasure, folks. Only doing my job. Or... Osama bin Laden, you have been convicted of orchestrating the 9-11 attacks, and I have no option but to sentence you to death. Do you have anything to say? Death to America and all Western infidels. Well, I thought you'd say sorry at least. I wish I'd never given you the opportunity. Um, Ooh, I'm looking for freedom. I'm looking for free. Is that? Oh, no, that wasn't it. I'm looking, look like a bit of freedom, but it was something. It's David Hasselhoff singing his shit song on a crane. You know, Osama, seeing this has made me realize just how bankrupt Western civilization is. You are totally right to want to destroy it. No, no, on the contrary. The existence and success of Hasselhoff proves there can be no God. I was wrong to do all that stuff in Allah's name. Hasselhoff has shown there is no heaven, much more effectively than John Lennon. Let us accept that this life is all we have and share the world and live in peace. Yes, let's. Thanks, David. No problem, fellas. Glad to help. Hey. Hey, Osama. You couldn't just use one last bomb to blow up David Hasselhoff, oh, could you? Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, oh, you guys, I wouldn't try oh. that. <laughs> looking, um, looking at life in the former East Germany in the various museums, I was, I was constantly reminded of my visits to see my grandparents in Middlesbrough in the 1970s. The furnishings were the same, the cars were the same, even the HQ of the German secret police, the Stasi, looked exactly like Middlesbrough Central Library. All of Berlin's beautiful now, and yet Middlesbrough is still exactly the same. When will Middlesbrough be freed? When? There is a shit curtain around it. Even David Hassoff wouldn't go in there. So, uh, anyway, uh, I, we're going to go and uh, speak to some of our audience here to see if anyone's got an interesting thing. Has anyone had anything interesting occur to them this week, especially if you're within reach of this microphone? That would be... What's happened to you, old beardy weirdo? What's... what's uh, What's the most interesting thing that's happened to you this week? Anything? What's your name? Kieran. Kieran? Yeah. Uh, and what's happened to you this week? Absolutely nothing. Ah, oh, is this the most exciting thing? Being sp- <laughs> You're going to write about me in your diary tonight. I, I got spoken to by Rich Herring, both in the show and in the warm-up that no one saw, <laughs> where he said I was the worst-looking person in an audience. Admittedly, bad-looking people. It's probably a bad idea to audience participation in an unedited. And I, usually, you do this, and there'll be one thing that someone says that's funny, but it takes about half an hour to get to it. I regret everything I've done. I'll tell you the uh, things that I've. I'll tell you some things I've done instead that I haven't really thought about. I watched the X Factor uh, last night, as I, I mentioned, and I haven't seen any of the rest of the series at all. I just watched the X Factor results show, and that is a really surreal thing. It's worth doing. Wait till the middle of a series. Don't see any of them sing, and it's just like it's like a satire of fame written by Ken Loach or something, where they've just dragged ten people off the street uh, randomly and put them in funny hats and done their hair up stupidly. 
And it pretty much is what has happened, actually, thinking about it. And uh, today I went out, um, I, bought, I wore this T-shirt, Andrew Collins is a fucking idiot, because I knew that Andrew Collins was going to be into... Are you there, Andrew? How you having then? <laughs> See, now you're in the podcast. Now, has anything interesting happened to you this week? No, okay. It's, too <laughs> it's a tragic world where an audience of people who have empty lives come to see me tell you about my slightly more interesting but still quite bad life. I've, I've been to Berlin this week and that's about it. I've been inter interviewed by Alan Yentop for the Imagine series as well because uh, I'm a twat. It's, it's, it's a thing about who's the biggest twat in Britain. I've been interviewed for that, essentially. Anyway, I wore this, but I kind of... It says Andrew Collins is a fucking idiot. We had these printed up for our own podcast. And Andrew uh, d d took a dislike to this T-shirt. This is the only one that probably exists because he didn't like having a T-shirt with the word fucking on it. Uh, but I still think it's funny, so I thought I'd wear it tonight, knowing he'd be in the audience, and it'd be quite funny. But I put a jumper on when I went out because, you know, I didn't want to walk around with the... This is the problem with this T-shirt as a commercial thing. You can't really ever wear it outside. But I went out to buy some uh, coffee for the, for the guys, because that's the kind of... I'm, that's the kind, I'm not a big starry guy. You know, I go out and I can't afford a runner. So, uh, but I, forgot, I hadn't got my jumper on. I realised everyone was looking at me and I was walking down the street with this T-shirt with just fucking written across it. So that was a bit embarrassed, but at least some more people know about Andrew Collins now. <laughs> and uh, I was just reading about... Uh, there's apparently a new Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. Have you seen this? Have you seen the, the bloke who wrote uh, Artemis Fowl? Because you know that um, Douglas Adams, he died quite a few years ago. And so it's kind of weird. That, why have they done this? Why? 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 Who wants to read? Anyone want to read the new Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book? Is anyone pleased about this happening? Does anyone think they're doing this for the memory of Douglas Adams? <laughs> rather than just to make millions of pounds. You like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film, didn't you? You're a big fan of Emma Kennedy. Fucking get me started <laughs> on that film. It was a travesty. I have got you started. The, the, the point that they had Arthur going off with the girl at the end, they missed the entire point <laughs> of the fucking book. Didn't they? I mean, they took the greatest, one of the greatest comedy novels ever written yeah. and turned it into a shitting, cop-juggling, <laughs> thunder-cunting rom-com. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Well, hopefully, hopefully the book will be as good. So... Uh, if I want you to know, if, if I ever die, Emma, well, in the middle of this series, I don't want anyone else to come in and yeah. write as it occurs to me. Do you know me. what? I'm, yeah. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Okay. Well, because I'm very healthy. Anyone, you I mean, don't think I'm, anyone's going to be interested. You think if I die, the, sh the show will die with <laughs> me? <laughs> this, yeah. this internet non-profit making yeah. thing will die. I better yeah. try and stay alive uh, for that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's go on to when, what I did on Wednesday. Wednesday. Luckily, given that I'm doing this, I'm telling you what, I wish we could edit this. There's no way we can do it. I'd edit all of that out. Uh, so, <laughs> but you know, also what you can do is quite, is there any budding producers out there? In the, it's quite nice to give you the whole thing, I think. This is because other shows do sort of cheat and take out the bad bits. But if there are any budding producers out there, you, every computer's got editing software on it. Now you can edit out down to your own version of it. You can take... You can take out the sketches you don't like. Someone else might like that sketch. but uh, So it's quite it's, it's good. Then send it to the BBC and say, this is what I can do. Give me a job. <laughs> and Richard Herring a job. So uh, luckily, that I am doing this show out of love. I've managed to get a job on TV this week, which pays in money. Uh, for one day a week, I'm going into an office to act as a script consultant on a new topical TV show for BBC Three. They're great, aren't they, the BBC? Uh, which stars Russell Howard, uh, the world's second funniest comedian with the initials RH. 
after Rich Hall. Uh, this, is, uh, this has worked out well for me because I can pretend to be thinking of ideas for him but actually be working on this show. And because my show comes out first, I can just steal any good ideas that Russell has and do them on here. Plus, this week, I got a free sandwich, three cans of Coke, and another one that I stole out of the fridge and put in my bag and then drank at home. It's true. Plus... Plus, while we were writing, they had bowls of crisps and Haribo sweets, and I could eat as many as I wanted, and no one said anything about it. Pretty sweet. Do you get free Haribo sweets here, Emma? No, no we, we get absolutely nothing. Yeah. In fact, you actually make us bring in Haribo sweets for you in return for appearing on here for nothing. Yeah, but you get the pleasure of working on a groundbreaking new comedy show. Yeah. Mm. And if it gets snapped up by a proper broadcaster, then you can be in the show and get as many Haribos as you can eat, apart from the fried egg ones. I like those. And unless we can get Horden and Corden to be in it instead of you, obviously, they're better. Anyway, I was, I was genuinely delighted about these Haribo sweets. If I'd known I'd got sweets, I wouldn't have even asked for any money. Honestly, I'm 42 years old. That is the, but when I was eating the sweets and pretending to work for Russell, I discovered a brilliant story that I didn't even tell him about, but saved for myself. Thanks for the Haribo, Howard, you loser. <laughs> he, must be, he must be fuming, what with his thousands of fans and millions of pounds. Uh, maybe I shouldn't reveal I'm ripping that show off until their series is actually finished. It might be a Pyrrhic victory for me. Anyway, uh, pop quiz, you, Kieran. How many, um, how many dwarves did Snow White have, would you say? Seven, Seven dwarves, says Kieran. You are a fucking idiot. Seven. <laughs> If you're reading The Sun on Wednesday, uh, and I can't see any reason why you wouldn't have been, uh, then you will know that there were at least another 15 dwarves who didn't make it into the film. These are genuine alternatives that were considered by evil Walt Disney. I haven't made any of these up, I promise you. Sniffy, lazy, stuffy, shorty. <laughs> presumably a small dwarf who the other dwarves mocked for his height with little to no self-awareness. Wheezy, burpy, which I'd wish he'd got in. I tell you, that would have been fantastic. Dizzy, flabby, goopy. Goopy, really? Was he viscous? Did he have no bones? Did he sliver around a little pool of dwarf blood on the floor? Is that goopy? Scrappy, who at least got that part in Scooby-Doo, so he went tipsy, tubby, woeful, and I promise you, titsy. I'm not making any of this up. They considered having a dwarf called Titsy. Maybe he was on female hormones, like Meatloaf in Fight Club. A little man with huge knockers. They, they definitely should have kept him in, shouldn't they? He was, he'd have been very popular with the other dwarves until Snow White turned up with her hairless woman tits. Suddenly all the other dwarves would be more interested in her and it would create a brilliant dramatic tension. I'm the Titsy one around here. Eat that fucking apple, eat it, you fucking pert, wan-breasted whore. My gnarly, dwarfish man-tits were once good enough for the others till you came along. It would have been a different film, I admit, but it would have been... But generally, the, the characters that came closest to being in the film uh, were jumpy and baldy. Uh, and we're, it's true, and we're lucky enough to have them along tonight. Will you please welcome Snow White's Eighth and ninth dwarves. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. 
Hello, so I'm guessing uh, process simulation, you're, you're baldy. What makes you think of that? Uh, well, nothing. I just thought you might look, be... Look, all right, I happen to be bald, but that doesn't define me, right? Well, you are called baldy. No, that's, no come on, that's just a nickname, because I happen to be bald. There's plenty of other interesting stuff about me. Like what? Well, it, okay, they're not actually that... That's pretty much it. I'm, I'm not surprised I didn't make it in the film, really. It was, uh... You've got quite big tits. <laughs> not compared to titsy, though. Oh no. Oh. So, so, sorry, how, how rude of me, you must be jumpy. What for? Oh, Jesus, oh, I wasn't paying attention. You scared the shit out of me, sorry. Now there's a characteristic, isn't it, Baldy? Yeah. Not, not just being bald, that's not entertaining, is it? But being jumpy. Oh God, oh bollocks, oh, it happened again to apologize. So I can see it might, it might get wearing quite quickly. Yep. Yep, good point, well made, yep. So, back in 1937, you came this close to being in one of the biggest movie blockbusters of all time. You must be sore about this. Yeah, not as sore as X, me. <laughs> hey, just my little joke there. He didn't, he didn't even audition. Um, it was somewhat upsetting, yes. Yeah, it, it was so arbitrary. I mean, in reality, there were a dozen of dwarves, but uh, Walt Disney was too lazy to draw us all in I... for every sort, so we cut it down to seven. Oh, oh my God, it's a snake! Oh, no, it's just a microphone cable. Don't, I mean... don't panic. Why seven? I mean, if you're going to cut it down, why not ten dwarves? Nice round figure. Then they could have had both of us and Titsy in it. Oh. Oh, Titsy. <laughs> Remember that Not now, Not now. Not now. So, would it be fair to say you were both uh, a bit grumpy about this? <laughs> no, no, I mean, if it had to be seven, then it's pretty clear they chose the wrong seven. I mean, obviously... Happy, dopey, sleepy, grumpy and sneezy had to be in it. No one's arguing with that. Well, I don't know. Sneezy, bit of a limited character. He just sneezes sometimes. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Says the bloke who just doesn't have any I, hair. I, I, I suffer from alopecia. Oh, 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 sorry. Nothing. But, you know, but there is no way they should have had either Doc or Bashful in it. Exactly. The whole point of being a dwarf is that you are named after your one defining attribute and your nickname is created by simply adding a Y to that. If some... If someone sneezed, you called him Sneezy. If someone was a grump, it'd be, I don't know, let's call him Grumpy. If someone wanked into the ears of all the other dwarves while they were asleep, we'd call him Wanks into the ears of all the other dwarves while they're asleepy. Which, for convenience sake, would be shortened to sleepy. But Doc... <laughs> Doc, I mean, what, what's that? I mean, first of all, he's not a doctor. He's a diamond miner like the rest of us. And we're named by our personal attributes, not our profession. Uh, yeah, if he was clever, then call him Brainy. But Doc, his name doesn't work. He shouldn't be in the seven. It should have been me or Jumpy. Oh, Jesus, will you stop doing that? I mean, come on, you've known me for at least six decades. You know, you think you'd, you'd learn not to do that by now. Come I on. forgot. Hey, perhaps I could be called Forgetty. Mm. You know, it's not yeah, just and, about And bashful. I mean, come on, it doesn't follow the pattern. I mean, oh, so he's all shy, is he? Then call him shy! And, he, and I'll tell you this, he wasn't bashful at all in real life. That was an act put on to get him in the film. Oh, dear, look at me with my finger in my mouth. All timorous. Yeah, in real life, he was brash, rude, obnoxious. He put on all that bashful shit for the producers. It was a total act. In real life, the rest of us knew him as Cunty. And if he's stuck with that name, then fair enough. He has an adjective with an E at the end, he's allowed in. But Bashful should have been out on his ear, along with Eerie, whose name was just too confusing on many levels. Although he later found fame as Big Ears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. having big ears, that's enough for today's audience. But not uh, no hair, apparently. To be fair, if he'd had no ears, then I don't think he'd have done so well. 
Maybe if you'd had big hair. Oh, I'll forget it. So why do you think that Doc and Bashful got those parts and you didn't? Well, I, I don't want to be done for libel, so I'm not going to say it's because Doc and Bashful were sucking off Walt Disney. You can't libel the dead. It's because Doc and Bashful were sucking off Walt Disney. That is the reason. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, like, I'm about to say your name, Jumpy, right. by the way, so don't get all surprised. Oh, as you thank can. you. That's right. Baldy and Jumpy. Oh, oh, Saturn sperm sank. Don't, don't all applaud like that. No way, you idiot. You're trying to give me a heart attack. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh, is that my phone ringing? Oh, surely you don't need a sound effect CD for your phone. Just get someone to ring your phone, Richard. Yeah, we don't need actual sound effects, Emma. It cheapens us. I'm following a stricter version of the Dogma 95 manifesto of Lars van Trier and Thomas Vinterberg. Yes, most of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm still putting it in my show because yeah, that's the kind yeah. of person that you can go and look it up if you don't know what it is. Don't Idiots. get cocky. Yeah, don't get cocky, Herring. You were just doing jokes about the seven dwarves filleting Walt Disney. I paint from a broad palette, Kennedy. I incorporate jokes about sexualised cartoon characters and obscure Danish film collectives. And nothing else. I guess it's a slightly limited palette. Uh, yeah, you better answer that phone, Rich. It's, it's not been ringing now for some, quite some time. You're right. <laughs> Hello, uh, Anton de Buick. Hello, what are you? You've got a suggestion for the dwarf that you'd like to have seen in Snow White. <laughs> that is inappropriate. Have you, have you learned that? Yes, I agree it is a bit politically incorrect that all the dwarves are white, but, you know, at least they're disabled and even... So, no, that one's not any good either. You're an awful man. By the way, I watched you on Hole in the Wall on Saturday, and I want you to know that if you never work again, it's not because of this, this Ferrari over your racial gaffe, it's because you're completely shit at present. You look and perform like some bloke that's just been dragged off the street in his own clothes, and your eyes move back and forth when you read the autocue. Now go back to dancing around like a girl. Thursday. Late on Thursday night, I was watching the poker on Channel 5 and was surprised to see that straight afterwards, the channel turned into an actual casino. Uh, there was a live show where a woman spun a roulette wheel and people at home could bet on the outcome. I, I knew some shows like this existed on satellite, but I felt shocked and a bit sad that it was now on terrestrial. I find it a bit amazing that so much any energy is expended with people getting apoplectic with rage about issues that should be solved with a simple apology, like Danny Minogue implying that a clearly gay man might be gay, or voting scandals on Strictly Come Dancing. I paid a pound! Uh, <laughs> And then this goes out completely uncommented on, you know, gambling on TV. It's awful, on terrestrial TV. And roulette is one of the most awful games. It's a game you can't possibly ever win. Uh, I, I used to play it a little bit, and uh, you can only play for a little while, and then you'll lose. I, I stood next to a guy a few years ago, uh, a roulette, so I was just betting on absolutely everything on the table, and then winning nearly every hand, but losing money overall. And he turned to me and said, I've lost my life in here. Uh, at least there was a chance that someone might... Uh, discover him. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen. But, you know, they, this is on TV. Uh, the woman presenting this show looked happy enough to be doing it all uh, but uh, and about spinning the wheel, commenting on the winners. But I wondered to myself, what was she really thinking as she was doing this? Hello and welcome to Roulette on Channel 5. I'll be here for the next four hours. 
it's late. You've probably been at the pub already blowing the cash that you should be spending on shoes for your kids. But that's good. It means you're drunk and probably full of self-loathing, which puts you in an even more vulnerable state. So get those bits on now. <laughs> you know, when I was at drama school, I had hopes that I might play Lady Macbeth or be Doctor Who's assistant or even just end up being a roving reporter on the one show. But here I am trying to pilfer money from lonely, depressed insomniacs. Even Carol Vorderman might think twice about the ethics of appearing on such a show. So let's spin the wheel. Yes, there it goes. Spiraling out of control like the fragile minds of the people who've logged on to Bethany's hopeless cause. Like I'll be spinning down into the depths of hell once I'm dead. Which I hope will be soon. And that's 17 black, decet noir, because me saying that in French gives this show a veneer of sophistication and class, which can make us momentarily forget that it's an affront to all that is decent in the world. Well, at least I've got lovely tits. I'm just glad that, uh, as it occurs to me, it's not on TV. I don't think I could bear to be associated with a medium that has something on it so morally bankrupt. Thank God this is going out on the internet instead. So uh, <laughs> that was the, uh, you notice, that was the sound effect I found online, by the way. It was a, it was a roulette. Well, can we just actually, can we just hear that again in all its glory? Because I think there's Emma Sporty by talking. There you go, that's it going round. Going round on the thing. And then it goes, it, it hits into the little section. Here it goes. Probably come to rest quite soon. You'd expect it now, unless it's got some kind of kinetic energy in it that is artificially keeping it jumping around. Surely it must soon. Oh, there, it's lodged in there. I don't think that's a roulette wheel, is it? That's someone has recreated that sound effect by rolling a marble around in a bucket. That is what has definitely happened there. I just got it for free off the internet, though. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> going on forever. Anyway, um, uh, and we're nearly at the end of the show. I'm, I'm glad to get through it. It's been quite a nerve-wracking um, week for me. In fact, on Saturday night, I had uh, one of the most transparent uh, dreams of meaning that you could possibly ever get, and I am embarrassed about the paucity of imagination of my subconscious. I was worried about this show, and I had a dream. I came to the Leicester Square Theatre, where you can come and see this show if you want in my dream, and I arrived to do the show, to present the show, and I found that Stuart Lee had turned up, and he... <laughs> He had taken charge of the show. And even though I, I had some scripts and stuff, he, well, he decided I wasn't going to do any of those. And in the long show, it's full of just like esoteric rubbish acts, the kind of shit he would think was good and put on. <laughs> and then all the only part I had in the show, well, there was a band on. I had to be a drum in the band, but there was no drums. I had to sit on the floor and drum with my, the palms of my hand. I don't, I don't know what that dream meant. Well, that's, um, that's the end of the show. It's been an interesting experiment, but, you know, I just don't think it's going to work out. People are used to tightly edited comedy shows which just endlessly repeat the same characters and catchphrases over and over and over again 
to the point that you could not possibly be bored with them at all. Uh, they're not going to like this sprawling, unedited mess which jumps from seven dwarves being filleted to an angry thing about roulette on the TV. It's ridiculous. I was arrogant and stupid to think I could turn around a show in a day. Uh, let's, let's not do it again. I think oh, th- thank God you said that because we were all thinking it. Wait, uh, Rich, is that the sound of a crane being loaded into the theatre? Can't hear anything. <laughs> I, I don't... But I uh, think it is, yes. I don't think look, it. Look, no, I don't think it's so. David Hasselhoff in a shiny suit. I'm looking for freedom. <laughs> Hold on, I think I found it. It's in my pocket. Oh, no, that was just my keys. Keep looking for freedom. Let's dance. Ooh, ooh. Surely, Richard, if Hasselhoff can get a million people to gather in one place to listen to that rubbish, then your admittedly slapdash podcast is worth persisting with. You're right. Knowing that such shit can pass as entertainment (laughs) makes me feel a lot less embarrassed for putting this thing out for free. If you've enjoyed this, uh, either here or at home, please spread the word about this podcast. Uh, And if you want to come down, you can see it recorded live. Admittedly, you have to pay. This is the flaw in the system, (laughs) the economic system of this show, because you can get it for free. But if you want to, it's really much much better when you're live, isn't it? You don't know, you haven't heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone here has had a fantastic time. So... (laughs) Come down, it's the Lester's Willies, the man shouted out there. We're, you can come and shout Willies, you can be in the podcast. I can see that that is going to become something I really regret having written <laughs> at three o'clock on a Sunday night. Uh, anyway, come down, it's the Leicester Square Theatre. You can get details at my website, Hatupa, Dadosh, Flash, Flash, www.richardherring.com. That's www.richardherring.com to people who don't listen to my other podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week, apart from Emma, who might, if she's back in time, she yes. might be. She's playing a 63-year-old woman on Casualty. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Hope yeah, I'll be but here. I hope you'll be back. But I'm sure, you know, don't worry about doing this. I'm sure yeah. the makeup ladies can make you look young enough to be a 63-year-old. Ah, <laughs> 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 I'm saying you look older than 63. <laughs> the truth is, um, about Emma's character, I just realised backstage after the script was written, that there's a flashback in it where, which explains why they had to get a younger actress. <laughs> Uh, to play a 63-year-old. Uh, but the, act, the flashback <laughs> is to when she's 53 years old. <laughs> so she only looks 53 yeah. years old. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. <laughs> thanks for coming. And we're, the Hoff is going to sing us out. Thank you very much. That was then. This is, I mean, as it occurs to me, ah, it's the same thing. It was written by and starred Richard Herring, ably assisted by Dan Tetzel and me, TV's Emma Kennedy. We thanks to Emma Brunges, Kelly Enfield, Ben Walker, Rob Sedgbeer and Lawrence Sachs and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. A special thanks to the British comedy guide Orange Mark and No Orange Aaron for all their technical support. This is an Avalon and Sky Potato production and now belongs to the world. Vive la revolution! Yeah!